0: to talks with Raj. And today we we are going to talk about um, teaching, specifically teaching remotely. And uh, I have to address that topic. I have a very good friend of mine. um, Someone who's very known in this field who's done this for a while. And without any further ado, I would like to call upon my friend uh, Navi to the floor. Navi,
1: all yours. Awesome. Well, thank you first so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm very grateful for the opportunity um, always. Uh, so I would look, I guess starting with uh, the beginning right. So my name is Navpreet Puni. Um, everybody calls me Mom. Uh, I'm sorry. Everybody calls me Navi, and I always make the joke that my mom has never called me by my real name. She's always called me Navi, um, and so I, uh, you know, my parents are. are, are uh, they came here from India uh, in the early nine. My dad in the late eighties. My mom in the early nineties. Um, and I was born over in California, which is where they first, you know, they first came to. Uh, and so fast forward, you know, my, my parents, just kind of your traditional, uh, immigrant story. They, they started with, they worked hard they saved up a lot of money in the nineties, uh, or not a lot of money, just enough money to start their first store, uh, rent out at least their first gas station, uh, in Florida. And then so fast forward, uh, 30 years, um, and we were at a gas station here in North Carolina where I worked with them for the past 15 years, excluding the one year we were at Holt. So past three years, uh, I'm sorry, past six years, uh, I started teaching, right? So I started teaching in the realm of business, uh, more specifically management, marketing, uh, and finance. Um, and I did three years as an adjunct over at, uh, with three different uh, universities, uh, Barton, Campbell, and a local community college here. Uh, And then now the past three years, I've been full-time over at Barton. Uh, I would say my official title is Visiting Professor of Business. Um, That is my official title. That's what they have in the contract. Uh, And so these past three years, I've really focused on teaching um, your principles of management, international management, international marketing, human resource marketing. I'm sorry, human resource management, uh, and your uh, two finance courses, which is real estate investing and then just investing Uh, and the only difference between these two uh, is real estate uh, we spend 15 weeks uh, about 14-15 weeks on real estate investing uh, versus the actual investments course we spend maybe only three weeks uh, on real estate and the other weeks you're diving into other uh, forms of investments Um, so today uh, as of a year ago uh, I'm officially out of the gas station business. I've been, I have been—I had personally been doing it approximately a little bit over 18 years. Um, and so this is where my foundation started. Right. And really after our, our, our studies in right. the whole, a little bit of time in the corporate world, I, you know, I was able to transition over to teaching. So I would say uh, it was what was it? It was 2020, of course, when COVID happened, um, and, and everybody was in person at the time. I, I don't think people here in the United States, you know, people like us, we were who are kind of more involved internationally. We, we were we were we recognized the danger that COVID posed to wherever we were locally, right? For me, United States, you and the UAE. Um, and so, so we were prepared, but I don't know if, I don't know, if, uh, I don't know how many people were prepared for what kind of transpired yeah. after, right? So so all of a sudden, everybody's so online, whereas, and I noticed that this is a big kind of a generation gap as well, whereas a lot of my older colleagues who have been, I, I, we have, we use the learning management system known as Canvas, right? Uh, yeah. And so we use Canvas. I have experience with Blackboard and uh, Blackboard and Moodle as well, but, but Canvas, and I really like the LMS that is Canvas um, just because I think it's very simple, very you know, integratable. Um, it, it works well for me. So, a guy like me who already, I, the first year or two I was teaching, I did everything by hand, but then I recognized that I could really reach higher levels of efficiency and even save time. By using it on by using Canvas, and so by the time we went online, I was already used to using you know this this online LMS, right? Canvas, Uh, and then coupled with Zoom, uh, I felt like I had the majority of the tools that I needed to you know proceed my classes online. Uh, I think where a big problem came, and this is where. Things were not uniform. were that there were still professors who were taking attendance and doing grades and everything by hand. So whereas right. for me there really wasn't that big of a learning curve because I'm already using Canvas, there was a huge learning curve for some of these you know individuals out here that had never used it, that had just been kind of doing it the traditional way. Um, and so something that I remember in terms of feedback from students okay. uh, at the time was. Um, they were telling me that they, they liked they liked my style of what I was doing because, let's say if I was teaching a 9, 9 a.m. class on a Tuesday, Thursday morning, right. Um, right. and we're, you know, up until March, we're meeting in person, and then all of a sudden in April, everything's completely online. Well, there were professors out there who were not substituting the online session with the virtual assessment. And so what I mean by that is that If my class was 9 a.m. Tuesday, Thursday, we would still have that class session, except it would just be on Zoom. So it's like, okay, instead of, you know, 9 a.m. Tuesday, Thursday, in-person on campus, 9 a.m. Tuesday, Thursday, we're having the Zoom call, and we're still gonna proceed with everything as planned. Yeah, one of the downsides were that so many students uh, still had their cameras off, right, but you could always tell there were some that were engaged they left their cameras on. And I think it was, it was, okay. you know, I, I believe in this strong philosophy that these students are paying, right? They, especially when you think about like a guy like me, I ask them all the time on the first day of class when they're, let's say if class starts at nine. And uh, I actually, if, if you remember our old professor, David Flood, I can't remember, if, if, like he was our very first professor, but he, he had the same philosophy. If class starts at 8 a.m., and everybody's talking and it's eight ten AM or eight fifteen AM and people have still talked and are still talking and we haven't started a class. It's our right as students to talk as much as we want, because we paid for that time. And you know, he as the professor. He's there for us as the students. If we want to talk and use it as a socialization time, yes, okay, it's a very expensive social event. You're right. Right like to do that, and, and you know when he when he framed it like this to us, um, it, it really uh, I, it really kind of changed the way that I thought about classes and missing classes and things of that nature. It's like if you miss a class, you're paying to miss that class. So that's kind of how I spin it to the students as well, right? You're, you're, I do that same thing on the first day, but it's the same thing when you're teaching online. If you want to have your camera off and you're out doing you know what you're doing, uh, you, know, you, you paid for that right? Because there are students that are active. they have their cameras on and they're very in tune to whatever you're talking about. And you know you hear this amongst a lot of professors, but uh, we, we as professors live for these students, right? we do our jobs for these students. Like the people that are like really in tune with these sorts of topics that we're, we're talking about. Um, and please let's if if here,
0: here, on me. One part, uh, I, a couple of things that you touched upon, Anabi. I think if I would take a step back, right, you already highlighted a few areas that I wanted to cover, which is the, the transition to remote teaching itself, right? Like we, we, we live the life of physical teaching. As a, as a student now, as, as, as a person who's teaching, right? And this is a mindset that used to be prominent that online education is not gonna give you as much benefit as a physical education. And then when COVID hit, everyone has to switch back. And I think you already covered your transition experience because of you being close to the technology field as compared to some of your other colleagues who were trying the best to catch up on that. And I think that is one piece. But the second piece, when you talked about engagement of the student, um, one of the things that I want to quickly, you know, di- not digress further, but like the, just talking about pedagogy perspective, right, is you mentioned that you have two sets of people in the class. The one that, the one that really gets the recording up, you know, they're sitting in front of you and they will ask questions, they will write, they use anything to get the best of you. And then those people who will not be there as, as you wanted. and I think. As a professor, I think I think if you can, you can tell me your thoughts. I think I would personally try to get those who's not there find a way to bring because what th- that means the person who's listening it's fine. They will they will they will find a way to get to the contacts, but the one that is a bit far. Okay, how do I grab them? Right, like there's an easy way, which is. If you guys want to use me, I'm here. And then there's a tough way where you want to like, okay, you know what, we need to bring them back. Uh, if you encountered it when you, when you when you were teaching in that frame, how would you how would you approach something that worked something that didn't work? How would you talk about that?
1: Uh, so I it is, <clears throat> excuse me, it's such a satisfying feeling at the end of like, maybe towards the middle of the semester or towards the end of the semester, when you have a student who at the beginning wasn't paying attention, they weren't engaged, but they're all of a sudden, you know, it's the near the middle of the semester, end of the semester, and a lot of these students, they're doing extracurriculars, right? right. At the college that I'm at, we have approximately, um, I would say two-thirds of the student body are athletes, and the other one-third is just traditional, and it may be slightly over uh, two-thirds where, our, like, I would say the, well, definitely the majority of our students are athletes, so a lot of them have other things going on. I can tell they're exhausted. Maybe they came from practice, or they have practice, or they've got a game on their mind. Uh, so you know, I try to give that benefit of the doubt. But towards the end of the semester, there are students that at the beginning may not have been engaged, but maybe something has changed. They're feeling refreshed. They're not, you know, maybe they're not in season, uh, or just simply they've become more engaged due to the topics that we've talked about. Right. So. I'll tell you um, one thing that I, I tried to do and right. when I first started teaching, I called quite a few of our, my old professors, right? Some from yeah. undergrad. The first person I called was actually David Flood, you know, okay. Dr. Flood. Um, and uh, he was the first person I called because my class, my first one was uh, the first class I ever taught was international management and he was our global management professor. So I said, you right. know, same, global, international. <laughs> um, so so. I remember, you know, really spending a lot of time talking to old professors and thinking back on my. I was lucky I started at 24 teaching, right now I'm 30. Um, and I, I was lucky that I, I had a pretty fresh memory of the type of classes I had just gone through, right? So I would say that the, for these students that are not engaged from day right. one, I, I think a lot of them you know, some of them are just there. It's so hard to break that mindset that we've already created about. You're just there for the grade, right? And they only care about the GPA. They're not thinking about why they may be there, right? You're there because, okay, whether you want a job or a nice house or get married or whatever it is, and all of that takes money, right? So you're technically there spending money to learn how to make some sort of money later down the road. So you can have the things that you want to have in your life, whatever those things may be. Um, and, and so it was a little long winded, but the best way that I would say to answer your question is to maintain some sort of variety in your class. Right. Right. So I have guest speakers, which you've come and spoken to quite a few of my classes. Right. We right. have guest speakers. I try to throw in one documentary in the middle of the semester to break it up and have them very, very. Um, in a very engaging way reflect on whatever we just saw and the documentary will go along with that whatever our topic is at the point right now in my, uh, my principles of management class now this is the this is the lowest level of management class you can take right so it's like i just say beginning business right 101. beginning management yeah one-on-one um right. in this class this semester i'm testing out a new theme where uh every few weeks or so we dive into a uh, prominent uh, entrepreneur, right? Somebody who is an awesome manager already. I'm talking your uh, Warren Buffett, your Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, uh, Jack Welch, who's you know, passed, may you rest in peace, uh, manager of the century. Uh, you know, so people like this uh, throughout the time. So I would say just keep maintaining some sort of diversity, right? We, we engage in current events that involve in business and money that are you know changing our landscape we talk about the concepts as well so this this specific class i'm talking about is more lecture based simply because it's like this business 101 management 101 class um, and so a lot of, they don't know, they haven't heard any kind of jargon, right? They don't know what vertical and horizontal integration is or what uh, Porter's Five Forces is or the four Ps in marketing or SWOT, you know, all of these different things they never heard. And so they, they hear about this in the class for the first time. So this is just different versus my uh, 300 and 400 level classes where they're way more hands on. I mean, I would say we're way we're. Uh, double uh, hands-on in these classes than we are uh, in in the in the beginner class. Yeah, I think um, the the way we
0: approach trying to it's it's the way I'm if I were to dissect the information right. It's I want them to know X Y Z, but the way I get to them to that I use myriad of ways. One could be a bit of lecture and then a bit of documentary. Then bring someone in in the in that field, throw them out. And, and in, that, in that domain, right, if I could digress slightly before we go to the next part, which is mainly about feedback, which is, I think, a very core piece. Teaching is one. But what about feedback? right? But before we touch feedback, uh, which is a topic on its own, how would you place um, humor breaking the eyes? Because at the end of the day, it's, it's physically stressing. It is stressing in the sense that you're on a screen for three hours or two hours, depends on where you are, you want to really, really attention, there's a lot of people, it just it's it, the environment itself, it's it's getting better, but it's not the most conducive one, even if you want it to be that way. So where would you park in terms of um, having a bit of a ice breaking humor? Because if you remember, I used to do the the game that I did in one of your class. So in that regard, right, where you want to do something related to your cause, but give them a bit of a, a quick shock, like get the yeah. attention, because the attention span goes which you know very vividly because you know the psychology wise it just drops, drops for a while. And how would you balance it back?
1: I would say I found group work really difficult during this COVID yes. online teaching. I did, I really did find that um, difficult. It's obviously way easier when you're in person and people aren't kind of worrying about this sort of stuff. <clears throat> now, I do think that it is. Um, possible to do group work so in terms of icebreakers and humor so the first day i always make everybody introduce themselves right i want you to turn on your camera i want you to introduce you know and i have them tell us a couple things right where are you from uh what would you like to do and then i also ask them what would you like to have and this is also something that I, I learned during our time at Holt. I remember going up to Yan, uh, Yan, if you remember, J-A-N. He was our yeah, uh, yeah. over in Shanghai. And I remember telling him, I, I have no idea what I want to do in my life. And he said, you know, well, that's because we we, uh, we ask you the wrong question. We always say, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? But nobody knows what they want to do because that's one third, one, you know, one fourth of your life, which is work, right? So he was like, I want you to think about what you want to have in life. And, and then all of a sudden you'll, you know, you'll figure out the means to this, what you want to have. And, and for me, you know, being in gas stations for so long, I really wanted some more time to explore my life, the things that I like, and just have time to do anything else besides run a business. Um, and so here I am now, and I'm, I'm very fortunate. I teach, I'm full-time, but I do all my classes on Tuesday, Thursdays, right? So I, I have some time off. Uh, During the week to work on my other business, Navi Consultants, where we were just, we started as a consulting firm. We are truly just an investments firm these days. Um, But uh, still, the time is is something that I really wanted to have. And so, automatically, I figured out, you know, something that I want to do is somewhere, something that I have more time, right? Where I can have some time. Uh, And also, working in the corporate world as well, 40 hours a week, Uh, it was still better than the gas station in a sense uh, in terms of the hours, uh, but it still wasn't kind of, you know, you were still coming home exhausted. So I, I always make a joke that, uh, I, I, I don't, I apparently subconsciously do not want to be a professor. I want to be a comedian because I, I'm always making jokes in the class, right? And this is something else I also learned from David Flood as well. Uh, and he also spoke to us about humor. Um, and uh, I got to make sure we share this podcast with, with Professor Flood because I mentioned him already three or four times.
0: We need to include this LinkedIn as well. But yeah, exactly.
1: Yep. And uh, so I would say humor is extremely important, right? I, I mean, it's so very, very important. One, because these students are already maybe they're exhausted, or maybe it's a, I teach at 8 o'clock in the morning class. 8 a.m. class is so tough because you know, as, as natural presenters, our first, our, the first thing that comes out of our mouth most of, most of the time is a greeting, right? Good morning, everyone, or how's it going, everybody, or whatever it may be. So I find in my eight o'clock class, I'm like, good morning, everyone. And 30 students, nobody says anything. They're just all looking at me. I'm like, oh, come right. on, guys. you know, good morning, everybody. And, uh, and, and so uh, then you get a couple of good mornings back. Right. And, so I, I think it's very important. Just kind of keeping a, a lighthearted attitude rather than such a the world is serious enough, right? We 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 it's it's I think the best entrepreneurs, managers, professors, people in general have this good balance of of lightheartedness and knowing when to be serious as well, right? I think I think one person that I do wanna
0: I have not I don't have the permission of this person to 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 over, but I, I think he would be fine with the professor Terrence. See Terrence um, specialized in AI and finance. And he, he, when I started collaborating with him, he did the both the online and then the in-person, in-person, legendary, <laughs> great storyteller, great person. He knows he will literally go to the person, walks around and then he stops near them. And then he starts lecturing because he want them to look at them. And then he brings the attention so online i had the privilege of learning how he did it and i think one thing he does is storytelling he and he changed the finance into storytelling he'll open a whiteboard in zoom and then he'll make himself small because he was using i believe um i don't know he was using uh, the uh, the obs he is one of the people that usually uv obs way at once than everyone else he was having his own setup and then he will draw the story and they will draw everything and then they will try to connect and then brings the number in. And I'm like, oh, storytelling. And then you get a hook. And then one thing that I've seen that he does, which I try to replicate is he will not continue the story when he asks a question until he gets a response. Like, okay, what do you all think happened? Then he paused. He just takes away. But I think when you put humor and then when you put all that, I think one is the topic itself, I for sure. And I think, but one thing I feel that. Um, that I think I eat close to home was the good morning. <laughs> that that when you start the first thing and then you say good morning and no one is saying anything back for the next twenty five seconds, it 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 really feels like, okay. Can we can we try again? Yeah. <laughs> we have a good start.
1: No, I agree with you completely because that's that's for us too, right? As speakers, <laughs> professors, I, and that, I, I make that joke with them too. I say, guys, it's you know it's hard on me too. So come on, you got to me. You know, meet me in the middle. Uh, and uh, and yeah. I'm fortunate. I always have students that are willing to meet me in the middle <laughs> that too. part of that. Yeah. It, it just. I'm sure your experience has been awesome teaching as well. Right? It's it's really a fun sort of thing to do. Yeah. The first part is always the tricky, like please say
0: hi back and then you'll get comfortable and yeah. then it goes well. Um, now I wanna, I know we covered a, enough of the understanding the issue, the things we could have taken to fix it and things that worked for you from a technology perspective. And we also looked at some of the great example by the professors uh, who are doing it so well uh, in the past. How would you talk about um, feedback, assessing their work? How would you, because the, there's always exams, That's of a great. the assignment is always there. That's all different, company, but how would I, how would you think about giving feedback in a virtual environment? What has worked, what have we tried?
1: What again? I I have to really give a lot of credit to Canvas, you know. So uh, there's a thing called speed grader in Canvas. So right, right? Uh, let's say thirty individuals um, submit a paper. Then right there in the paper, I I can make notes, write virtual notes right there as I'm grading the paper. And then also, it gives me a, a section where where I'm putting the grade. It allows me to leave a comment so one thing i really like about the comment is that as soon as i leave a comment on someone's post it immediately sends an email to the student and gives them and if the students have the mobile app for canvas then they also get this mobile notification as well that hey your professor submitted a grade your professor has uh, commented on it right and i i like the comment section because i do i'll leave comments and i always get students that respond back to the comments and and i I have the mobile app for Canvas, and I have my right. email, so I get the notification immediately. And so, some I, I, there are students that take advantage of this, and we kind of go back and forth on the feedback. I'll tell you during during the virtual when again when we were all virtual for COVID. Now, if I remember correctly, we were virtual for at least a year and a half, uh, right. if not two full years. Um, I did a lot of I. I I had a lot of students that would stick around after class. So, so uh, it, it, hey, the, the class is over. hope everybody has a good day. A bunch of students are leaving the Zoom call, especially the ones that have their uh, cameras off. And then it never failed. You have three or four students that stuck around. Maybe they wanted to talk about what you were talking about during class or had a question. And then other students, now this isn't to discredit the other students. Some students, uh, I found myself doing a lot of one-on-one Zoom calls during this time, right? So, you know, students would be like, hey, can we meet? I'd really like to talk to you about my grade or this paper or something you said in the class or my future or investing or, you know, students want to talk about so many different things, right? Different things on their mind. Some are thinking about their future. Some have problems today with the relationship or their classes or finances. Some are interested in investing. Some are only worried about their grades or whatever it may be. So I did find myself doing a lot of one-on-one calls. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the best uh, form of feedback, right? To take that time, sit down with the student. Again, unfortunate, right? Uh, My classes aren't hundreds of students apiece. I'm probably this semester teaching a total of five classes, about uh, 110 to 120 students. And that's each, right? No, total. That's okay. total. I have 120 students for this semester uh, total. And, and right now it's ranging about 100 students a semester over at where I teach. I was here full-time and I was teaching at Campbell as an adjunct for a little while. I was probably up in the 150 students a semester back then. Okay. But now I'm, you know, I'm not at Campbell, so I'm 100, 120, uh, which is I think very, very manageable for a semester. If you're using the learning management system, right. if it's 120 and I'm doing everything by hand, that is absolutely, I mean, that's that's uh, uh, that's, uh, I'm sorry, intense, right? It's very intense. Right. Um, so
0: yes. I, I want to quickly plug in on Canvas, right? I think one thing that I I personally loved is. I really feel that I, if I can, I would sit with a student and go through the assignment, which I can't. It's physically impossible. So, Canvas allows you to give a bespoke command, but one thing that I find always balancing is me writing a bespoke command, which is already spending five, 10 minutes, and then I have like 100 assignments that I had to give five to 10 minutes Right. So, one thing that I've learned, I, I, Canvas actually have the opportunity for you to record audio so I became so comfortable, I'll just click the audio recording button and I'll just speak one minute. This is my take on your assignment. This is why I'm giving you this grade bespoke, clearly specific for you, comes from uh, me directly talking to you, listen to it and let me know whether I'm good. jump I, I find that I transition from typing to that because what happens when you're typing, you are tired and then you will like, take a break because you want the most important, you want the quality of the feedback to sustain right? Just because you have 70 assignments going on. And then after the 50th threshold, you're like tired, but you want to like take a moment break. But with the volume, I'm still talking. I'm like, I just read your assignment. I feel you have done this well, you've done this not so good. And so that's, that, that kind of like came to my mind when you talked about Canvas. Now, um, if we were to switch gear right now, we um, how would you talk about um, the language and then the cultural consideration that you want to teach? Because you have people from various backgrounds. Some want to learn, but they can't, or some want to, sorry, excuse um, my word of choice, some wanted to participate more, but they can't do. But whereas in person, you could bring them up, you could, you could see them, you could really help them out to give them a shot. But then in the online learning, that's not very visible. So that person could fall, we know, just be shy and just, just waiting for a chance. Or how would you uh, approach those situation uh, when you encounter in uh,
1: That, you know, that's, that's a really good question. I, I would say that that's um, we as professors are required to stay conscious, like it's a responsibility to be conscious about where our students are from. It's very I think that first day I have students that tell me that they'll start a class and that the professor will never ask them to introduce themselves, right? Just first day syllabus and, and we go straight into straight right. into uh, you know, whatever they're doing. And, and you know me, I, I'm a very big believer that Part of the value, you know, going back to David Flood again, you know, where is the value and for whom is the value, right? And for me, you know, a big part of where is the value in regards to uh, going to get a four year degree or, or anything that you do is the network that you can build, right? And so for me, it's so important on the first day because not only am I personally extending my network, all these students, right? I have a hundred new students, or they're not all new. Some of them are back for a second or third class, but let's say there's a hundred students this semester. And as far as I, I'm concerned, I want all hundred of them to add me on LinkedIn and to, and to right. become a part of my network, right? But even more importantly, I want them to become part of each other's network. Look, look at you and I, right? right? We're here doing this podcast today because we kept in touch after after Hulk. Um, that is so important, I, I think, in my opinion. So the the first day of class, I have them all get up and, and, and one by one in class. I make them stand up and address. And this is uh, we had another professor for our global strategy class. And I, I remember his name was Rizwan, Dr. Rizwan. Or his, right. I, I think this was around his name. And I remember when we would stand up, if somebody said he would ask a question and um, somebody would respond. and uh, and to his question, and then he would say, okay, who in the class does not agree? Somebody would raise their hand and he would say, okay, why? And they would look at him and start to respond why they didn't agree. And he would say, don't look at me. It's not me that you don't agree with. You don't agree with her. Look at her and tell her why you don't agree with her, right? I thought this was genius. And so this is something else I've pulled into my classes. I tell them, you know, when you're introducing yourself, yes, you're introducing yourself to me, but I already have your first and last name and your email and, you know, I'm one of these guys where I've probably looked up some of you already prior to our first class. But if you, there's people in here you've never met. So stand up, say, you know, who who you are and look at them, look at your audience. Don't look at just me, look at them. So it's equally as important for me when they're introducing themselves for me to re- listen to how they're speaking and this is just in terms of language and culture right i need to hear how they're speaking what is their you know their english up to date or in terms of what kind of their english level is uh and then I, i'm and i'm very blessed for this too we have a lot of international students that come and play uh, a sport and a lot of them want to be business majors so i get to see a lot of them i, I can tell you I have these students from uh, uh, right now from Iceland, one from Serbia, France, um, Malaysia, right? We've got a good, good, we have quite a few students from Europe. Uh, so we have a good mix of students. So as these students are introducing themselves on in the first day of class, it's important for me to, as the professor to note down where are these students from? What is their kind of, you know, what's their personality like right now? Are they, you know, are they, do they seem confident in their English? Do they seem confident in their presentation? Okay. If not, so as I'm teaching and so and because I don't believe, you know, I don't believe that there's a, uh, there's no such thing as a domestic business, all business through globalization is intertwined in some sense, right? We can normally find it in the supply chain or somewhere, in right. the in the analysis of a business, we can find a global aspect to it. So a lot of times throughout the semester, I'm I'm easily able to, or not easily, but I'm able to. And this is a benefit of this, an, an advantage, and something I'm very grateful for. I'm able to ask, okay, uh, what does our student from Iceland think, or what do what is what's different over here in France, or know, yeah. how does Serbia handle something like this? Um, and they, you know, whether they, you know, maybe sometimes they don't like, that. like, they're kind of like, man, I really didn't want to talk. Uh, but that for us, just like what, you know, where is the value? What was the one big value in the program you and I did? Everybody was from like 30 different, 40 different countries. But you're able to hear from all these different perspectives. And you're like, wow, like I never thought about that. And so it's the exact same when, you know, I'm here in in in, in the United States teaching a class, I would say if I have a class of 30 students, 20 to 25 of them are from the US, but it's these five that are from, you know, different countries or one country together. Uh, Cause we have some students like that, uh, that, that they've all knew each other from a country, from their home country prior to coming to the same school. Um, and so they, they, but it's always a, a blessing or it's very, valuable for myself and the other students from the United States to hear this other international perspective. And I I think it's, you know, again, where is the value In these moments, you know, you're extracting that value as well.
0: You know, I think um, that's a very good, um, I think, a, a summary now, because if I were to call a few things, right, one, you have to work with very limited information and then gauge the level of involvement you want to invest in those students within a virtual world, and then use that information and see how you want to keep the back of your mind, okay, this person, I want to bring it back again, because I just need to give a bit of push. And this person is doing so well, he or she will be doing very well on his own or her own right. I think uh, that's a good segue. And I know we're close coming to the end. Um, a few things I want to talk about is number one, what do you think we need in terms of resources for educators right now could be anything in terms of staying ahead of the whole um, hybrid slash remote
1: teaching from your perspective. At my institution, we have three types of classes. We have your in-person class, your hybrid class, and your fully remote class. Right. The hybrid class meets, I think, uh, let's say if in one month, we meet one time a month, and then the other three weeks were. Uh, you're doing it completely like self-guided, right? Kind of how your traditional online classes used to run. I really, really think that, um, especially right now, you know, we're we're here. Uh, I was just hearing overhearing some students the other day talk about a few other universities here in the United States have switched already back to online or remote learning because there's a new strand of COVID and thing, and we're you know, depending on where you're at in the United States you can be a little disconnected from, so i like, for example, myself, I'm a little disconnected on the, what's the new COVID strain and, and strain and where is it, things like that. Um, and so uh, I would say that a, a, a enough professors do not take advantage of the Zoom-Canvas combo. Uh, okay. They really should, if, if any, if, if it ever happens again, where you, we're in person and you have an eight o'clock to a nine o'clock class that you're teaching, and we go fully online or something of the nature, as a professor, it's our responsibility, in my opinion, to maintain that class virtually. So we're still going to meet 8 to 9 o'clock on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and whatever it is, but we're going to do it over a Zoom call rather than uh, in person because we're not allowed to meet in person because of this, right? So in terms of resources, I, I think the LMS versus and whatever sort of online whether it's Zoom or Google Meets, or we can just even have something called a uh, big blue button or something like that, where you can do the same thing. I remember Blackboard also had something similar to this. Um, and so there's plenty of tools to to supply. I just think that it's easy to be like, oh, we're going online. It's an excuse for me to get lazy. And the students, I just have to now, I just because a traditional, and I have a couple of traditional online courses that don't have a a time designated to it. So I can't just pick a time in the week. Hey, uh, on Friday at 5 PM, we're going to have a, you know, once a month session. It's, it's inevitable. Students are not going to be able to make it. They've got games or they got practice or they're out of town because it's the weekend or whatever it is. So these classes I do have fully online because they're fully online courses. But I, but I would, again, I would say just not enough professors are using whatever their LMS is. If Again, if you have to go online and, and you have a time associated, you should definitely be supplementing your in-person classes with these virtual... If you can't do in-person, then you should do these virtual ones. I think the students really gain a lot more out of that. As far as I'm concerned, the internet, so I'll tell you... And, and I, I, this philosophy runs right into my classes. I I do not uh, restrict them from using the internet. Uh, At least uh, there's probably never really a time that I do, because in my opinion, you're never going to be in the real world and you're never going to be faced with a problem that you cannot use every resource at your disposal, right? If If I come across a problem in the business world or my personal life or whatever it is, right? I have the power to pick up my phone and call somebody who may be more educated on this subject than I am. I have the, now I can use chat GPT to source information. I have the paid version, so I'm using GPT-4. I can use that to source the information or even prior to GPT, the past 20 years, I can just look it up online. But then even before that, I can go to the library, right? So anyways, I I think we are, you know, we're trying to, the, the, The concept of memorization to pass a quiz and then you're just going to forget the next day. This is something you and I have had experience with all too well as well. Being, you know, also being not, we were in school less than a decade ago, right? Uh, And and so it's the same. So it's more for me. It's more how can you use all of the resources at your disposal to solve a problem? And that's the internet. That's your network. That's ChatGPT if you know how to use it properly. Uh, and and so these these tools I think are the cell phone. So I have an app called uh, Text Free, and, and I started doing this during this COVID virtual you know online teaching era. Uh, text Free generates me a free phone number that as long as I use it with it's going to show me some ads, which is okay, but it's free. And I can can buy a paid subscription, which is like, I don't know, $10 a year or something. And I have my phone number permanently, this extra phone number, and no ads. But I give this number to my students. And I tell them, listen, you know, if you send me an email, it may be a few hours before I have a chance to read it and respond or anything. But if you really need me immediately, any kind of assistance you need, text me at this number, and I'll get that immediately. You know that's right in my hand most of the time or it's my pocket i feel the vibration i pull it out and i'm doing business all day via phone calls and text messages so uh you know i get this text message and this way they don't have my personal number but at the same time they have a phone number they can text me they can call me uh which i always tell them listen text me and you're going to get a response just as you'll probably get a response quicker sometimes that way than, than calling um because uh, sometimes I may not be connected to Wi-Fi, and the signal may be bad. Uh, so the phone call doesn't work too well, but the, the texting works perfectly. So I think there's a lot of tools out there to really uh, help us um, and even, you know, so if you uh, just bringing in kind of some new tech, right? Think about right. virtual reality, right? Think about the MetaQuest 2, for example. You can already do Horizon workrooms, and I could bring, if, every, if everybody had asked, I could already if technically, if just the professor has a VR, the workrooms, I'm sorry, if, the, if only the professor has a MetaQuest 2, I can set up the whole classroom in, in workrooms. I can have bring everybody in via a link, just like a Zoom call, right? If they don't have, a, if they have an Oculus, they can use their avatar. But if they don't, it'll just bring the screen, like you and I are sitting here right now. Uh, so this is just—I I, I don't know how many professors out there are doing this, but this is just an example that not only are there tools out there, but there are companies experimenting with new tools to make it even more engaging. You know, in in the case that in the case that this becomes kind of more of a norm and it is already more of a norm. Whereas before I was teaching all uh, in-person classes, now I'm teaching five, you know, three of them are in person, two of them are online. Um, And so this is a, this is almost right. I mean, this is a two fifth uh, uh, where I'm fully online. And so this is already moving in the trend of being more online than I used to be. And, and, and so, Anyways, I I think it's possible. There's definitely resources out there to help. No, I think I think
0: you I think you you covered every single top point for that particular topic, including I think I love how you make yourself accessible to the students in, in, in within your capacity. I think that's that's extremely good to know. I think I think i coming to a closure right now. The last thought I wanted to check with you is, um, what is your what is the future gonna look like when it comes to remote education? Okay, right now we have the three phases, right? In-person, hybrid, and then and then the entire um full virtual mode. But you already caught a bit of the metaverse, but like if you could just share more on like from your perspective, what do you think is gonna happen and what do you think that should look like?
1: I think this is this is a very good question. You know, when I said any when I said anyways, that's what I think about the resources. In my mind, I was already I was thinking about this, and I almost started, and then I was like, no, 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 let me let me pause just real fast on the, I'm you mentioned sure. that you like it, that I make myself accessible to the students. Right. At the end of the semester, there are, um, uh, there are the uh, surveys, the class surveys that the students right. do. There, It's yes. their opportunity to give me feedback, right? And so, uh, and, and one thing that I, I have noticed is that they, they do mention that the professor always made himself available. I think I see that uh, pretty consistently on my feedback throughout the semester. Uh, from at least one student where they leave a comment, professor was always, uh, made himself available to his students. And I tell them that all the time. I say, listen, you know, I tell them about the importance of time and how we should really be thinking what our time is worth. Uh, But I tell them, listen, you know, I am here for you guys. If you need anything and, and I tell, I've told all my classes this and I truly, I still truly feel this way. If they need me during my class or even after my class, they're they're for now whether they like it or not forever part of my network you know like I, I have this I have this connection to them that if they ever want to reach their hand to back out my hand is already here for them right. um, and so they do like this you know be a easy form of communication and students are texting way more than they're sending emails these days right so it's just kind of you know it's kind of staying in tune with technology the future. I think is a very important topic, right? Uh, and so I'll tell you, there was a lot of talks during this COVID, you know, virtual era that, you know, schools, were. that was it, right? We were never going to go back to in-person classes and that, you know, professors would need to be like, now it was going to be even harder to get a job as a professor and people are going to be fighting for online courses and schools are going to reduce. There was all these rumors going around, right? And look where we're at. We're back in person. And, you know, we've got, we're, we're have both in a sense. We're still virtual, but we've also got in-person classes. Um, And I think it's good to provide that option to the students because sometimes the students are like, no, I want to be in person. Some students are like, no, I know I will be fine online and I'm busy and I don't want to be inside of a class. I want to be self, you know, self-managed. All of these are perfectly fine. The future, I think with the emergence of generative AI, professionals are forced to think deeply, right? More deeply about what types of assignments they provide students Right, and and so no, you know, gone are the days where I can be like, here, read Romeo and Juliet, and then write me a book summary on Romeo and Juliet. I, I can do that right now in three seconds without ever even knowing. Probably I mean, yes, sir. Okay. And, and, and way better, yeah. And, and I can, you know, there's and people are like, well, and, and I'm on the AI committee over at the institution that I'm at okay. uh, because I was I, I actually. A year ago, so not the beginning of this this school year, but beginning of last school year, I um, I was called upon to give a a very short presentation of what ChatGPT was to the entire faculty because so many people had no idea what it was, and I was already using it. And I remember our, one of our um, I would call my boss the boss of all the faculty. Uh, the vice president of academic affairs sent out an email. Does anybody know about generative AI? And, and they're using it. And I said, of course I am. Right. All of you should be aware of what's going on with this. And so, and so I guess, So anyway, so I, I think that professors really need to be more uh, right thinking more dynamically about what type of you know what they're giving. Uh, and so to, to come back, you know, what's the future? I would, I don't think that in-person teaching is going anywhere. I, I don't. I especially the uh, the more technology advances, and virtual reality has to get really, really good. Uh, which I think that it can if you've ever seen the movie like Ready Player One, like these type, this sort of advancement, okay maybe now I can see people staying in their homes, putting on a headset and it's their real body, real everything and they're already living in this world and they can go to class and, and this is a whole society cultural shift where, and, and innovation, right, technological shift we're talking about and I also think that it has to do with the, um, the area that you're in so I imagine some other uh, places around the world, maybe they did go fully online uh, as, as an institution, or maybe they're focusing more on that realm. Uh, I really think that each institution uh, is a case by case scenario, but even more importantly, the region where that, uh, that institution operates, right? So we may do it, we're, I'm in the South, I'm considered in the South uh, part of the United States we are probably doing it differently here in the South than our counterparts over in California versus our friends over in Shanghai versus our, you know, maybe our old professors in Boston up in the North, right? And so I think that it really depends on where you're at and kind of the mindset around it. We're here in the South, people want in-person classes. Even, I I was surprised that the, uh, just, you know, Then I'll finish up with this, when we came back, from the uh, from this virtual era of teaching and we started teaching in person again. I remember I had a class of about 50 students over at Campbell uh, uh, University here uh, uh, in North Carolina. And uh, I remember uh, having them say, I said, how many of you would have preferred we stayed uh, online? And one student raised their hand out of 50. And then I said, how many of you would have Prefer to be, or happy that we're back in person. 49 of them raised their hand to be back in person. But then a year later, maybe not even a year later, I, I can't exactly remember the times, uh, maybe, maybe a semester, maybe a full year later, but no more than a full year. I did the survey again uh, with a different set of students. How many of you would rather go back to being online or have this option? And it was a 50-50 split. 50% of them wanted to be in person. 50% of them would rather be able to take the class online. And I think this is exactly the future that we're going to see, right? It's the same thing we see in the workforce. Some people are like, I'm never going back to the office. There's this whole opportunity and and, uh, this whole slew of uh, uh, online remote uh, jobs that I, I can pick from, why would I go back in person? Whereas some people I know uh, are like, and I'm, I'm kind of one of them, I like getting up and going. I, I'm, I'm a little bit more fortunate. I, I only have to go two days a week. But you know, there, I know some people, actually my sister is like this. Uh, she used to work a nice job here in corporate here locally as well, uh, before she also became a teacher. And I'm in a family of teachers now. Uh, but when she was doing that i remember they offered her the the uh, option to work online and she said no like i would much rather be in person and, and she's not the only person i know like this there are many people that i know that would prefer to get up get ready go out go to the office do their you know work 7 8 hours come home and and it maintains this structure and so i really think that we see the exact same thing uh, in the classroom. Some students like the structure, getting up, getting ready, coming to a class, going about their day. And some students prefer to self-manage online. That That's I think um, that's very
0: well put now. And if I were to share my closing thoughts on those topics, right, I mean, I, 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 I 100% feel where you're coming from. But one thing that I feel that's happening right now is the way I see the part moving from from online versus in person. If anything, COVID presented another pathway of teaching rather than a substitution. Yes. I think we are so close to saying that this is it. No, it's a parallel path rather than one is taking over another. I think because if you remember the beginning of how we started conversation, there was a narrative that I brought in, right? The narrative is that is online teaching very good compared to in-person teaching. Now we, have, we can confidently say, yes, it is. It is has the same level of, um, I would say, quality aspect when it comes to in-person teaching. It's just another way of teaching. Now, yeah, where yeah. you want to use it, you have to decide and you want to weigh the options. Right. And I think that yeah, go for it.
1: No, if you don't, I think this is a, a super important point as well. Right. Uh, I think every institu- I think every organization, institution, business, even the government needs to remember nonprofit It does not matter everybody needs to remember that first and foremost you are a business and that you need the inflow and the outflow of money to survive and to continue to operate and all these things Uh, it it is the foundation it is the core of, of running an operation and so this is a very great point that you bring up because you know it shouldn't be about one or the other Whereas before, we are, like, maybe in our minds, we're like, okay, we've reached 5,000. Let's just throw out a number. We're at 5,000 students, and for the whole campus, right, you're all four four years, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, and we are reaching a cap, and we can't get more than 5,000 students. There are some schools that are okay with that, and they just believe that to be their capacity. But in my personal opinion, you should have... Uh, if we have a school of business, you should have a school of business in person and a school of business online. And this is something we directly learned in our, in you and I, right, in our in our in our studies over in Shanghai, halt, uh, which is if a market is saturated, then we have two options: either we have to expand to a different market or something else, some other product, innovate something else that has some sort of synergy with what we're already doing, but opens up new market opportunities or we figure out a way to expand on what we're already doing, right? create value that was not already there. So any institution that is out here creating two programs, a fully online and a fully in-person one, to take advantage of all the people that want to come to this institution, and all the people that want to do it online, and all the people that want to do it in person, And now you are creating value, right? You're generating extra value. Every every institution should have it. So I'll tell you at my personal institution, they would, at least the School of Business, they would prefer to maintain the majority of it in person. But there are talks about, hey, we also need an online program that's running parallel with this because that's the only way to increase the amount of students that we have in the school of business, right? Uh, or not the only way, I'm sorry, it's definitely not the only way, but it is a surefire opportunity, right? And if we were to do a SWOT analysis, that would be right there on the opportunity. We have the opportunity to create an a online business program that runs parallel with our in-person business right. program. And, and now all of a sudden we're attracting more students because we've heard it students that are like, um, oh, I don't want to go because you don't have a fully online business program. Well, that's money. That's money left on the table, right? And so this is, I strongly believe in what you're saying. I agree. It's very important to have both and that we should not think of it as a substitute rather than an opportunity to create more value uh, in a market.
0: I think the last sentence, I think that's basically it's right. You've you discovered another method thanks to COVID. That proved to be feasible, and there is a reason for us. There's sorry, there is no reason for us to deprive that from other people because there are folks out there who can benefit from that. I think I think if anything, time has told us that we can get it right in online as well. That that's what exactly happened, right? I think that the second closing in my head, which is about the the, the AI and the plagiarism and the, the assignment stuff, and I think that's something I'm, I'm I'm really excited because what happens now is it's no longer about so when I when I used to mark now, this is what I use, I always tell the assignments needs to be, you have the A, which is modules that I teach in the class, right, the, 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 the knowledge and then you have the B, which is the assignment itself. But well, what you got to tell me is the C. And every time when I write a B equal to C, I always run into this a lot of question of what does the C, represent? the C represent a simulation of that plus you need to give me something new. You need to give me something extra. It could be your coffee chat with your dad. It could be your understanding of a game from Roblox. It could be anything, but you want to incorporate that. Okay, I know this because I'm giving information at the end of the day, but what do you want to do with the information to make something more critical? That's for my critical thinking, right? But now, it's more apparent than ever with all the generative AI, you got to make your work, at, you've got to make your assignment has to reflect. See, otherwise, you're just going to get a quick <laughs> typo exercise coming because you're not going to add any value, right? So, I I, I I strongly agree with that and i also uh i know we are way above all the time now and i want to like really really say thank you so much again you know it's really one nice to connect with you number two also talk about a topic that that i feel very close to which is teaching education because that' what brought us together after so yeah. many years um so really really thank you and um i i, I look forward to
1: connecting with you again no, again, thank you so much for the opportunity. This was my first podcast and, and I had a blast. I thought this was a lot of fun, actually. This is so much fun. Thank you. Really, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Navi.